Good, everybody. Welcome to Under Review with Stats and Vish. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Vish Kumaran. Vish, I don't like this. I haven't been able to wear the Victory Monday shirt in three weeks. It was almost all bad for the 49ers yesterday. Yeah, that sucked. I didn't watch the game live. (laughs) I was out of town, and then I was flying back late at night watching all of it. It sucked to catch up on. It sucked to see it, and... You know, last Monday when we did this show, the Niners hadn't played the Vikings yet. And I said, see you in a week. Hopefully the Niners are 2-0 and then. I did not think they would be 0-2. I thought they would at least, worst case, have split them, be 1-1, and and we would come back here with them being 6-2 and going into the bye. Um, and they got dominated yesterday. We're going to go through all of it. The one thing I want to say that I haven't seen this point made at all, so I just wanted to address it real quick um, about this game is the rest discrepancy between the 49ers and the Bengals is a talking point in this game. Now, the Niners got thoroughly dominated, but the fact that Cincinnati was able to come off of their bye, so they had the extended extra week of rest, and the Niners were coming off a short week because they played Monday night, and then they had to travel um, past half the country or um, to go back home to play Sunday afternoon. That discrepancy is the one thing I will say um, may have contributed more to this game than anything. Now, we're going to get into the fact that they got dominated, but I I haven't seen it mentioned, so I wanted to mention it off the top of the show. That is a huge thing, and it's not going to be the end of that, by the way, because the 49ers play five games with a rest discrepancy this season. So brace yourself. (laughs) That's all I'll say. I totally agree that was part of it. Uh, Clearly, Joe Burrow benefited from the rest. He looked the best he's looked all season. He was scrambling. He was running around. They were they were uh, calling plays from under center, which showed that the calf was feeling good. So the rest definitely helped Cincinnati. Like you said, we're going to go through all of it, but I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. And make sure you like and subscribe to both YouTube channels, the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel and Vish Kumaran's YouTube channel. It will make you a better, smarter fan. Now, I thought the whole day, Vish, was summed up in the first two possessions for these teams in this game. 49ers get the ball first, and right out of the gate, they want to run the ball. Boom, beautiful. Christian McCaffrey, eight-yard gain. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're off and running. And the 49ers could not gain a first down after that point. Then they punt the ball to Cincinnati. Cincinnati gets the ball. The 49ers force a fumble. Up, they can't recover it. It's third and 10. They have Joe Burrow dead to rights in the backfield. And not only do they not get a sack, not only do they not force an incompletion, they give up a first down on third and 10. And Cincinnati eventually goes down the field and scores a touchdown. The 49ers never tied the score up again after that. And the Bengals were off and running. And that summarized the whole day. Yeah, and I I think there's a couple of points here that are very, very important, okay? This is the second time the 49ers have had a positive run on first down in back-to-back weeks, and then second and one, third and one. The last time they went for it on fourth and one, and Brock Purdy eventually got it on his sneak, but this time they didn't get it, right? And they punted on third and one because they were deep in their own territory. That is the antithesis. That's the antithesis of the identity of this football team. This is supposed to be a smash mouth physical team built behind their run game. If you're what kind of run game are you going to tell me cannot convert second and one and third and one on back to back runs? That's a problem. And that to me is one of the biggest problems with this football team. We can get into Brock Purdy. We can get into all of that. Um, I, I where I before we get in deeper into that, where I stand on it is I will say is. If you expected Brock Purdy to win that style of football game, then you and I had very different interpretations of what Brock Purdy's skill set is and what we should reasonably expect from him. I think that I always felt like he needed to be supported by this run game. I felt like part of his success was based on the fact that they can run the football, allowing him to play within the system, which allows his physical limitations not to be exposed at times. And they had a very good thing going. The fact that they aren't able to run the football, the fact that in back-to-back games, you get to second and one, third and one, and you get stuffed. 
That is problematic to me, and that is emblematic of the biggest issue with this football team. They aren't able to stay to their identity, which is supposed to be to run the football, and they don't do that very well. And believe it or not, it happened two out of the 49ers' first three possessions because they scored the touchdown, just to skip ahead really quick, on their third drive, Brock Purdy scrambles for eight yards on first down, and guess what? They don't get the first down. Second down, Elijah Mitchell loses four. Brock throws incomplete on third and six, and the Niners are punting again. So it was a systemic thing. It was a, it was a chronic thing. That's the word I want. Chronic thing all day. They couldn't run the ball at all. Not like, well, they really struggle. Like, no, they could not run the ball at all, and it bit him on the first three possessions. Uh, Warlock says the optimism and excuses from Vish have started. So if the Niners lose to Jacksonville after a bye, what's your excuse, Vish? Let's stats call it as it is. Oh, oh, was he talking about me talking about the rest discrepancy? Yes. Eh, fair enough. Maybe it was an excuse. I, I do think it's a re- relevant point. Here, here's what I, I want to add to your run game point too, Rob. Because mm-hmm. second and one, third and one, people forget, but I remember that in 2021, in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, where did that game flip? The third and short. Second and one? Third and one. And then he didn't want to go for it on fourth and one, right? Because it turned from fourth and one to basically two according That's to Kyle true. Shanahan. Yeah. And so this 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 issue it's remaining and it's something that to me is emblematic of all the problems with this football team because if you're not able to stick to your identity what kind of smash mouth physical football team that's based on their run game, right? That's what Kyle Shanahan said on the Play Callers Play uh, podcast. He realized with RG3, if I just have a run game, I can win with anybody. I can <laughs> win with any quarterback. Just a defense and a run game. He has neither of those things right now. And then we're going to talk about the quarterback because he did make a lot. He made a few mistakes in this game. But again, to me, there's issues that start that, okay, if we expect Brock Purdy to do these kinds of things, then you and I had very different interpretations of who Brock Purdy is up till now. There's plenty of Brock to get into as we go through this one. I just thought the 49ers, I mean, again, they couldn't score early. They couldn't get up early. And they could never recover. And Fred Warner literally said it after the game. He said, we can't just be a team that only wins when we get a lead. We have to be able to come from behind. I think it's starting to get in their heads a little bit, Vish. Uh, Yeah, 100%. It is in their heads. So Cincinnati goes down and scores a touchdown on a slot fade. Shocker, slot fade. It's only been unstoppable for every team against the 49ers for two or three years now. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. You need a touchdown. You need a big play against the Niners. Slot fade. I don't care if it's Kwan Williams here. I don't care if it's Isaiah Oliver. I don't care if it's Ambry Thomas. I don't care who it is. It works every time. Yeah, and he was beat. He was beat by two steps. It was a pretty throw, though. Yeah, but it, it's always there for anybody that wants it. Dak no, you're right. You're Cowboys right. Game. The one play they got. Slot Cooper. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're right, um, the Cavante Turpin. I thought you were talking about the 2021 playoffs. That was a slot no. fade on K1 Williams to Amari Cooper, yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, so <laughs> it's 7 nothing Cincinnati, and I start to get nervous. And then all of a sudden, here we go. 49ers start churning it out, right? McCaffrey for 13. Brock hits Ray Ray McLeod. Purdy scrambles for 16 yards on third and eight. Brock Purdy did an amazing job in this game of getting vertical in the pocket when the pressure came and attacking the line of scrimmage to gain yards. It's something he has not done, and I loved it. I loved it. I thought maybe this is the next sort of evolution of Brock. This is the adjustment he makes when he gets coverages he doesn't like. He will just take the five or six yards or more, in that case, that the defense gives until they adjust again. And I loved it, and I I wish we had seen more of it, and I hope he continues to do it. Yeah, I agree. His off-schedule playmaking and his pocket movement in this game was actually pretty spectacular. He made so many plays in this game, man. He made a lot of really great throws. I mean, the two seam balls to Kittle, dude, are probably two of the best throws we've seen a 49ers quarterback make in the Kyle Shanahan era. Um, he, He was unbelievable in terms of his pocket escapes and all of that stuff. But here's what it comes down to, right? In a game that you put so much of that on him, right? And that's what was the case for him at Iowa State. The entire offense, everything was always on Brock Purdy. We saw some of Brock Purdy's fatal flaws rear their ugly head. You and I talked about it earlier this offseason. I I joked about it. I was like, hey, when I watch this guy at Iowa State, 
He was the king of doing dumb stuff out of nowhere. He has a play where he, in at Iowa State, where he gets a pass batted down and he bats it back up to make it get picked off. <laughs> he bats it back up to make it get picked off. That was Brock Purdy at Iowa State, okay? And then suddenly it's just all gone. And I, I remember I told you, I was like, wow, maybe that just disappeared. Maybe that just disappeared, blah, blah, blah. Well, yesterday, when you had a completely busted dead plate because he wanted the shovel, it was unavailable, it was taken away, he should have handed it off, opportunity was missed. Don't I know Jermaine Pratt made a great play by catching that football, Rob. The decision to throw the football was stupid. It yes. was just stupid. He should we'll, have never made the decision to throw the football. We'll, we'll get there. Don't worry. Okay, you don't want to go there? I completely yeah, agree with you. Um, but I want to give him his props on this drive because the Niners don't score a touchdown without Brock on this drive. Because on third and eight, there is nothing there. And he scrambles for 16 yards. And on the next play, first and 10, it's a play action. And I feel like we've seen this a bunch lately. The Niners will do like a play action bootleg and the, the end does not go for it. And he is right. right there in Brock's face. And Brock makes a move, rolls to his right and hits Brandon Ayuk for like a 31-yard gain. Great play. And the Niners would eventually go and score. They don't score on that drive unless Brock Purdy makes plays outside of the structure of the offense and off schedule. Jimmy Garoppolo is not leading the Niners to a touchdown on that drive. That was Brock's no. drive and he deserves credit for it. No, I, I mean, a lot of this game came down to the fact that his mobility was a difference maker in this game. It gave the 49ers a lot of opportunities, and it created a lot of big plays. That off-scheduled Ayuk was a phenomenal play. It was a phenomenal play. And so the Niners tie it up, and Cincinnati gets the ball back, and here's where they really took it into overdrive, Vish. Since he gets the ball, they have a six-play, 58-yard drive not only do the 49ers not get them to third down on the drive, they only have one second down play on the drive. Cincinnati is just carving them up. And it's all passes, basically. Burrow, mm -hmm. Burrow Boyd, uh, Chase, whoever the hell you want. And they go right down the field and stuff it in the end zone again. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. And, and, and the touchdown was weird, right? Because they kind of stopped playing on the touchdown. What well, Cincinnati didn't stop playing. It looked sure. like there was an offsides penalty, and uh, yeah, you're right. Eventually, they kind of scored the touchdown. Everybody was kind of like, "Wait, what? We're still, we're still going." Oh, okay. But it just felt like very early on in this game, and really since the defense has been struggling in this three game stretch, it feels like the Niners have to score a touchdown on every offensive drive, or they're going to be in trouble, or the game is in danger of getting away from them. Yeah, partially, partially. I do feel like you do get that feeling. Um, I, or I actually, I, I should re amend what I said, because I had that feeling as well, watching the first half of this game. Now it does change through the entirety of this game, but just focusing on that portion when we're at this point in the game, I agree with you. Yes, it did start to feel that way, especially with how easy Cincinnati was making it look and how easy Burrow was making it look. It was almost like a screenshot, Snapchat, whatever you want to call it. Uh, screenshot snapchat i don't know why those two things were the two words that came into mind but it was it was exactly what kirk cousins did a week ago that's what it was feeling like at this point in the game because burrow was similarly just dicing them up from the pocket and on the next the niners get the ball back they go three plays and out on the next possession cincinnati didn't score but to me it was the biggest signal that brian callahan and the Bengals knew exactly what steve wilkes was going to do it's third and nine, okay? First of all, the 49ers call a timeout on defense, which had me wondering, did Wilkes call a play that Shanahan didn't like and Shanahan called timeout to change it? I don't know. I have no idea that he wasn't asked about it after the game. Out of the timeout, it's third and nine. Burrow gets to the line in the scrimmage. Immediately, he audibles. And what is he audible draw? to? He audibles to a quarterback draw on third and nine. People think about this quarterbacks do not audible to a QB keeper on third and long, unless they know they can get the first down. And Joe Burrow saw exactly what was coming. He called the audible, the red sea parted and he had a free run for 12 yards. The, he wasn't even touched. The funny thing about that is Romo says right before he checks and calls it because they snap it quick because he sees it. He snaps it quick and Burrow just goes. It's almost like Burrow in the center on the same page on this and they just go. And it's so fast and he's 
eight yards down the field before you even realize, oh, crap, he snapped the ball and he's gone. Um, Romo goes, yeah, I don't know that the the 49ers are going to have a tough time stopping them here. He says that literally right before that happened. Um, I, I It is cracking the code. I think that's part of it. But look, the 49ers' best players on defense are not playing well either. And we can put this all on Steve Wilkes too, but there were a host of missed tackles from players that are supposed to be excellent tacklers. Um, there was invisible performances from players that are supposed to make 20-something million dollars and be dominant defensive linemen and were signed as premier free agents to be dominant defensive linemen against a not very good um, interior offensive line. And there were a host of missed tackles from the so-called best linebacker duo in the NFL that wasn't the best linebacker duo on the field yesterday. So we can't just all put it on Steve Wilkes. Like the scheme is a part of it. It is not great. We talked about this, that, hey, Cousins and O'Connell, we, oh, we didn't talk about it, actually. I talked about it on other shows, and I'm sure you did the same thing. How Cousins and O'Connell... You? Cousins and O'Connell cracked the code, right? We talked about it. The line of scrimmage, Cousins was playing like Peyton Manning. All of that is true. But if you're supposed to have six different all pros on this defense and all of that, at some point they got to make a play too. Win. Win your win your one-on-one, man. Have to. You ha- When you get paid like they're getting paid, you have to get premium production out of your stars. And the 49ers are not. And we can talk about it later. But that's why I think that a, a trade – for a corner or whoever is not going to help as much as people think it will. Because to me, the problem is not that the 49ers don't have enough good players. The problem is they're not getting enough from the good players they mm-hmm. already have. And and Shanahan said it best. I, I feel like sometimes too much we get into like, well, Shanahan didn't say that. I'm saying that, that we get too much into the scheme and all of that. Because if you, at the end of the day, if you have really great players, I, I talked about this right when I said Jim Schwartz got fired for running the same defense that he's running in Cleveland today. Yep. And it's because if you have players that make this scheme right, all of a sudden it's a great scheme. And if you have players that don't make it right, then it's a bad scheme. It, usually good schemes are just schemes that are sound. And if you have players that can execute it, it becomes a great scheme. It becomes in vogue and all of that. And so that's where Shanahan said it after the game when he was asked about Debo and Trent. Good players make you right sometimes on bad calls, and bad play- good players sometimes make you even more right on good calls. And that's where when you have a Nick Bosa and you have a Fred Warner and you have a Dre Greenlaw and you have a Javon Hargrave and you have an Eric Armstead and all of these kinds of guys, sure, we can get, say Steve Wilkes isn't doing as good a job as D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala. I agree with that. But those guys make a lot of money to be able to make some plays and make Steve Wilkes right too, okay? Steve Wilkes isn't just going to be the guy that's going to die on the hill of this defense being terrible the last two weeks. It's Steve more Wil- than that. Steve Wilkes didn't miss 13 tackles yesterday. Now, no. wasn't Steve Wilkes, okay? Uh, Walton, he one-on-one watching on our Twitch page. Both had nine more pressures now. Won't someone think of the pressures? <laughs> well done, Walton. It, but it's the same thing, Rob. Like, they are they are getting pressure. They were around Burrow that Who entire cares? game. But exactly. Burrow operates so well with people around him. And it's the confidence to stand in there knowing that something's always going to open up. So I'm going to hang in there that extra minute. And every time he does hang in there, something was available for him, which means that, hey, there's not a sync between the timing of the rush and the and the um, coverage. We talked about this or Robert Sala used to talk about this. The one the only thing they needed to do was make the quarterback hitch once, which means that whatever they had to do, they had to eliminate his first read. And if they could make him hitch once and make him just slightly uncomfortable or change the pitcher on him a little bit, that defensive line would then get home. There seems to be no sync with both of those things happening right now with this defense. And then the other aspect of it is that they just can't stop the stinking run, dude. It's not that they actually like give up too many explosive runs. They're all like little minor paper cut runs, paper cut runs with the occasional 10 to 12 yard burst. But it's the fact that they cannot scare a stinking team out of stopping running the ball. Okay. Every single team that they've played in the last three weeks, starting with Cleveland, who converted three third downs and got off 34 runs. If somebody can do that math and explain it to me, my brain can't put that put that <laughs> together. How do you go three for 13 on third round and still get 34 runs off in a game? And that's the problem. Their defense philosophically wants to make you one dimensional so that they can rush for and get their pass rushers to be able to get the quarterback. And even though their runs game stats are middle of the league and mediocre, 
they're just a bad run defense right now because every team is committed to running the football. The Bengals have the worst rushing offense in the NFL, or second worst. They're coming into that game, second worst. They ran for like 70 yards a game, and they always get in the shotgun. You talked about it yesterday. They had the addition of the under center, which helped their run game a bit. But typically, they can't run the ball because they're always spread out, and they're in the shotgun, and it's just difficult to run the football from there. Well, yesterday, they got off 27 runs against the 49ers defense on the road, no problem. And they actually ran it very effectively. But 27 runs for the Cincinnati Bengals, to me, the reason I picked the 49ers in this game was I thought the Cincinnati Bengals are too poor of a run offense to be able to stay committed to the run against the 49ers. And if you can't stay committed to the run against the 49ers, you lose. Guess what? If the Bengals... As good a team they are, they're terrible at running the football. If they're able to stay committed to running the ball against the 49ers, there are bigger issues and deeper issues with this defense because any team that stays committed to running the football against the 49ers has a chance against them or their defense. Every run to me was four, five, six yards. They were always second and four or third and four. Every run was gaining an you know, at least three yards. It was never, it felt like for at least the first half, it was never second and 10 or second and nine. It was always like second and six, second and seven. And so they didn't have to gain a ton on second down to have an easy third down to convert. If they even got to third down, by the way, uh, Flav says the timing of Brock's interceptions are what have been brutal the last two weeks. Fourth quarter turnovers can't happen. And when we do score, the defense has to get us the ball back. Haven't been able to get any momentum in the last two weeks. The defense did their part in the second half of this game to give the Niners a chance to get back into it. Uh, I want to get to that, but first let's get to, so the you Bengals, do, you're, you want to save Brock's turnovers, huh? You just don't want to touch on it yet. Oh, trust me. I'm going to get there. Okay. Um, this is another thing I had a big problem with and you know what I'm going to say Vish Niners get the ball back after since he misses the field goal it is 14 to 7 and the defense has been getting absolutely worked to this point in the game showing no signs of being able to stop Cincinnati in any way shape form or fashion Niners go down the field it's third and 14 Brock Purdy scrambles for 10 yards good play by Brock because he was under pressure almost immediately he scrambles for 10 yards it's fourth and four 244 left in the half. You're at Cincinnati's 18-yard line. And what does Kyle do? He trots out Jake Moody to go for the field goal. I have no idea why. That's an absolute must-go-for-it situation. The field goal does nothing for you. It, you're still down by four. You still need a touchdown. Cincinnati's going to get the ball back with roughly two minutes to go. And Cincinnati gets the ball coming out of halftime. To me, there is no excuse for kicking that field goal there. Kyle should have gone for it. He keeps acting like his defense is all world, and it's not, Vish, and it's making it harder for the 49ers to win. Uh, that is a great point. I agree. I When we were talking, when I came into this show, that was not something I considered. I didn't think about that. That is actually a really, really good point, because you're right. The It's not just that they were giving Cincinnati the ball back with arguably better field position than if they didn't get the fourth and not arguably better field position than if they didn't get the fourth and four. Um, it was the fact that Cincinnati got the ball back after half as well, which means that they could double dip and you were down a touch. You were down basically a touchdown regardless of whether you make the field goal or not. Good point. And guess what happened? Niners made the field goal and here comes Cincinnati right down the field again. No problem. Nine plays, 71 yards. Guess how many third downs they faced on the drive, Vish? None. They were yeah. just carving the 49ers up. And thank God, Cleveland Farrell, of all people, forces a fumble on the three-yard line, and the Niners recover. He run, he run, Or he runs into forcing a fumble. Whatever. The ball came out. He was the one that touched it, and Isaiah Oliver scoops it up. And the 49ers get the ball back. First and 10 at the five-yard line with 30 seconds left. And Brock Purdy unleashes one of the best throws I have ever seen him make. A yeah. beautiful ball to George Kittle. Deep over the middle of the field for 34 yards. Basically all in the air. Pinpoint accuracy. And all of a sudden, the Niners are in business before the half. Between three defenders. Great throw. Unreal throw. Great throw. Especially the timing of the throw, too. Like, deep in your own territory, they drop him back, and they drop him back from under center. Again, when we're talking about protecting Brock Purdy in a game that you can't really protect, dropping him back from under center and from your five-yard line, I don't usually criticize that kind of stuff, but that was a bizarre decision. He hit his back foot, hit the ground, and he ripped that thing. That was a sweet throw. 
Warlock says it's clear you need a top tier quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Having a good quarterback will get you in the playoffs, but it won't win the Super Bowl. That throw by Brock, that's a top tier throw. I don't care who's throwing it. If Darnold throw through it, I would have said the same thing. That is a top tier throw. The problem is sometimes Brock doesn't always give you that throw, but in that spot, that was a beautiful throw. And the 49ers are poised to maybe steal a field goal before halftime, Vish. But what happens on the next play? Oh, I know what happens on the next play. The old Brandon Ayuk shows up. Brock makes a nice play, leads him, throws him open at the 40-yard line, and the ball hits off Brandon Ayuk's face mask. Hits him right in the face, Vish. Too many times, that guy does not make a tough catch when the Niners really need one. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I know he put up good stats in the game, and he had a lot of other good plays in this game, but I've seen that from Brandon Ayuk too many times for me to pay that guy after the year. Yeah, they, I, okay, so first of all, Ayuk really had a terrific game. He was really terrific for the majority of the game. But that, what you just hit on the head, has been basically why it's been kind of the story of his career. He's this player with this mm-hmm. all-world potential and all of that. But in the games that you really need Brandon Ayuk to be and show that he's a superstar receiver, he just falls a little bit short. When he's just got one chance on a play to show that he's really a superstar receiver, he just falls a little bit short. And that's just kind of been the story of his career. And like, if you look at it, if you think about it, he's more consistent as a player than Debo Samuel. But the thing with Debo is Debo picks his moments. <laughs> and Debo is always there at the right moments. Debo is always making big plays at the right moments. And that's kind of been the difference between him and IU. Debo has those big games on Sunday Night Football and all of that, the mainstream stuff. And 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 Ayuk, just the stuff where he's on the tip of verge of superstardom because he was terrific in this game. Well, yes, A.J. Brown is better than both of them for sure. Not even close at well, this point. But that's the thing. A.J. Brown makes clutch plays. Whenever the Eagles yeah. play, it's A.J. Brown. I actually didn't mean to put that comment up from Patel, but thanks, Patel. Uh, Mark says, it looked like the sun was in his eyes. It's always something. Oh, the sun was in my eyes. Oh, I tripped coming out of my break. It's always something with Brandon Ayuk. Catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's got to make that catch. But I I don't want to, as much as I agree with you, he's got to make that catch. Look, he was terrific in that game yesterday. He was terrific overall. He was terrific. I'm old Greg says, what does it say if they don't make a trade? Uh, If they don't make a trade, it says they don't believe this team can win anything. I'm not totally convinced, like I said, that they should make a big trade. Uh, we, we can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if it means that. Come on. They they might not have the right trade available. The thing that you have to remember with this roster is they can't just continue to throw away draft picks like they're um, just, you know, boxes of cookies anymore. This isn't Halloween where you can give away draft picks like candy because they have so many highly paid Ross players on this roster. The only way they can create depth is by drafting well, because those are cost controlled, cheap players that are young. And if they're good, they can then give your team depth because you can't really sign your their um, flexibility in terms of their cap. While they do have cap space, it is not as great as people want to think because they have so many highly paid players at so many different positions. I disagree with that, though. Who cares? If you're all in for this year, if you think you can win all in for this year, who cares about 2024? Why do you care? All we heard, all we heard from this team. That's also a good point. Super Bowl window, Super Bowl window. We can't wait for Trey Lance. Who cares? Four starts, three picks. We're getting rid of him. We got Brock Purdy. We can't wait. All in, all in, all in. Then you can't get to the trade deadline and tell me you can't make a deal because we're worried about 2024 and beyond. You can't. Both of those right, things can't be true. Touche, touche. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I understand both perspectives. Um, I I still tend to think that if they made a move, Rob, it would have to be a superstar over the top move. I don't know that making a paying a little bit extra for Jalen Johnson is terrific. Actually, maybe that one, that one. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Maybe that one helps, but paying a little bit extra for some linebacker or some, you know, mid tier edge player. I don't know if that really moves the needle enough. And I don't know if that's really prudent to pay a little bit extra at this point, unless, you, and either way, we know the 49ers, when they make a deal, especially at this time, it's because they're buying high or selling high. Yep. They don't they don't make deals that, you know, they're a little bit like Jerry Jones in that sense. They don't like making deals that they're not confident that they're winning. Chris, what else says, 
my defensive analysis, Wilkes doesn't know how to marry the line to the secondary. That's what you talked about earlier, Vish. When we bring pressure or stunts, they pay, uh, they play off coverage. And when they rush for standard, they play press. Also, we take the bait on every misdirection. Yeah, misdirections work for a lot of teams. I'll say that. But I totally agree about the marriage of the secondary and the pass rush. It's not there right now, which is crazy to me because it doesn't seem like that difficult of a concept to understand. And Steve Wilkes has certainly been around football long enough to understand it. But it seems like there is a serious disconnect there right now. I I will say the biggest disconnect for me, and I've talked about it in previous weeks, and I've said, okay, I was wrong about it in previous weeks. They play so much, man. Look, they, they played a lot of zone in the first half, and it didn't really work great. So I get why they go to man to switch it, switch it up, but they just don't have the corners to play man, man coverage, dude. They yeah, just do not have the corners to play man coverage. But the thinking was always, we know that about the secondary. That's why the pass rush has to get home because you've got to take the heat off those corners. And so you play press like you were talking about to make that quarterback have to wait and hitch that extra half a second to get let the pass rush get home. They haven't been doing that. There's been no hitching by quarterbacks. And that's why you see the Niners giving up over 800 yards the past two weeks. Chris Waddell also says, sorry, I've been missing most of your shows lately. I struggle watching content when it's this bad because it just puts me in a bad mood. Chris, you're not alone. I see the numbers all the time. And when the 49ers win, generally the numbers are down, which I understand. But I think it's important that we do things like this, Vish, where we run through what happened in the game. Because, you you know, look, you got to take the good with the bad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and there is positives in this game. And I don't think it's the end of the season or the end of the road for the 49ers at all. We've seen them bounce back from this same exact situation the past couple of years. The problem is that they told us this year, the difference would be the reason they fell short is because of those lulls they went into earlier in the season. And the fact that they had to dig themselves out of that hole affected their performance later in the season. So there was a focus. There was a conversation. There was a consistent messaging that they weren't going to do this again. And that's the problem because it's not that we don't feel that they can bounce back out of this, but how do we project that the end of the season this year is going to be any different from the past two years, given that we have a similar trend and trajectory of these midseason bizarre losses where they just underperform completely. Forget the end of the season. Stop talking about the end of the season. You're in the middle of the season now. That's what I think the problem is with this team. They're so concerned about getting the number one seed and what's going to happen in the playoffs. They're not as concerned with actually getting to the playoffs. They're just taking it for granted. It's killing them right now. Flav says 100% stats, playing conservative, running continuously, five-man front, settling for field goals only works if your D is elite. Ours isn't right now. We need to get more aggressive and pass more to open up the run. I, I agree. I agree. Throw the ball in first down for sake. Which is what they did on that drive where Brock throws the hideous interception. They were running play action on first and 10. Tony Romo talked about it. Since he comes out in five-man fronts, Play action on first down, and it was Brandon working. Ayuk. The Niners play went action Kittle. Ayuk, Kittle, exactly. They were moving the ball. Romo saw it. Kyle obviously saw it because he switched it up. And this was the point where I thought the defense kind of rose up, right? So they stripped the ball at the end of the first half to stop Cincinnati from scoring. Then since he does get a field goal to start the uh, second half, but still, it's a 17-10 game. Niners get the ball back with a chance to tie it up. They go five plays and out. Defense Niners defense makes a stop again since he goes three and out and you're like, all right, here it is again. And the Niners start moving down the field just the way we talked about going down the field. No problem. They had one third down. It was third and one. You checked it. That stupid direct snap play, which originally he was called short. And then all of a sudden they changed their mind and gave the 49ers the first down, which the Bengals went nuts when that happened. And there it is fish. We can finally talk about it first and goal at the eight-yard line. (laughs) Brock Purdy uncorks a whopper. The Niners, first of all, run an RPO. And what happened is Purdy pulls it from Elijah Mitchell, and he wants to hit Kittle on a shovel. But Kittle's covered up. So Purdy keeps the ball. And as you laid out earlier, once you do that, you cannot throw the ball by rule because there's linemen down the field. Brock Purdy's head, I don't know where it was, Vish. Where the hell did it go? He scrambles out. He tries to throw a ball. gets tipped and intercepted on first down. On first down. First and goal. First and goal. That was the game. That was the game. When you can't capitalize in that spot 
I felt like it took the heart and the life right out of the Niners. Yeah, that was, and and that goes back. It is what we talked about. He had that in Iowa State, and there it was. There it was. And look, Jermaine Pratt, he's a very good player, very underrated one, and he made a great play, okay? But, but, the decision to throw the football is stupid regardless of whether Pratt makes that play or not. He should have never thrown that football. And that was, and that, that to me was the breaking point in the game. That was the turning point because the offense had been terrific. Brock had been terrific in a lot of ways. Brock was really yes. to that point of the game, what was keeping them in the game? His escapes, his timely off schedule plays, him making down the field throws very accurately. He was looking great. And then he does that. And that was just flat out stupid. I'm not calling him stupid. That decision was stupid. And that really was the turning point in the football game. That really felt like, damn, that was the breaking point. Because the Niners offense had so much success for success for the entirety of this game. And here's, here's the two issues for me. I think there's two deeper issues with him throwing that pick. One, it speaks to, look, when you're Brock Purdy and your entire game is built on, hey, I'm smart. I'm going to process it. I'm going to make good decisions. I'm going to be a good game manager. I'm going to do all of the little things the right way to make sure my team wins. You can't do that. You can't do that in the red zone. That's just a stupid play. So you can't be doing that when your entire brand is to not be that guy. And then the second thing is, when it goes back to the Iowa State point. We saw when the entire game was on him a little bit in Iowa State, he would do stuff like this because – when the game's on him, he has this a little bit. This game, in a lot of ways, was one of the more difficult ones he had to play in the NFL in the sense that they couldn't run the football, they couldn't really protect him, and a lot of this game was him dropping back, him dropping back under pressure, and they said, go make plays, right? And if we're talking about a top-tier quarterback, this is why you hesitate to anoint him, this is why you want to see more, because in this kind of a situation, at home, top-tier quarterbacks don't turn it over twice, three times actually, and top-tier quarterbacks find ways to continuously make plays in that situation. And he made so many freaking plays, but he also made the back-breaking mistakes in this game. And that one right there, that was the back-breaking mistake. First and goal at the red zone, the play busted. Actually, if he hands it off, it might have been a touchdown. You and I yes. talked about that, right? But he chose not to hand it off. The play busted. If he takes a knee right there and gives them second and goal at the 10, they're still in this football game. And he throws it, Rob. He throws it. And I don't even understand the throw because Pratt's in front of his face. What did he think? He was going to throw it through Pratt? Sometimes, and I've said this before, sometimes being a quarterback is all about the worst thing you do. Yes, Brock made a lot of good plays. The play before, he scrambled for 12 yards. It was a beautiful play. Unbelievable scramble. But sometimes it's about the worst thing that you do. And this was a backbreaker for the 49ers uh, glass city says, damn, Rob, you're on fire at the moment. I agree with everything you said, vishing yourself, compliment each other perfectly, very centered and objective point of view. It's very refreshing. Thank you very much. We try. We really do. Uh, James T Kirk, shout out to you. YouTube channel member, which by the way, shout out to all our YouTube channel members. If you want to become one, please consider it. it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. It's a great way to support the channel. And you if you want to follow, if you want, I will follow ah, you on X. If you want. By the way, since I've said that, nobody ever says I want to follow. So they just don't know. They must not be on X. They don't know that you got 40k followers there. I don't have 40. Don't lie to people. Uh, James T. Kirk says I was at the game. I met Steph Sanchez. Here's a Levi's 24 ounce domestic beer for you, so we can all drown our sorrow, staying positive despite the brutal in person loss. Thank you very much, Captain. Appreciate you. I'll take a, I could use a beer and some alcohol. This team's driving me to drink. Uh, Chris, hey, Rob, says, real quick, before you go to Chris, I was going to say you missed uh, the Iceman's 0072's uh, super as well. I uh, apologize. Sorry, yeah. Iceman. Uh, you guys have been incredible with your support the past two days. Really, thank you. I've been trying to miss them, uh, trying to get to all of them. Iceman says the Bengals were using five-man fronts. More teams do the same. Yeah, that, that is a consistent thing I think the Niners are going to have to deal with. And to me, Vish, don't run on that. You pass on that. That's how you get them out of it. You pass on it like they were doing on that drive that we've been talking about just now, and then you earn your way to run the ball. I agree. I agree. They're a more effective passing team in general right now. That's what it feels like. Um, 
But I felt like schematically, once the five-man fronts came in, they did kick back to some of their old school. They brought back their wide zone and all of that. The issue is, dude, this offensive line without Drew Williams just stinks. And that's the problem. That is the problem, okay? The right side, we thought McKivitz would be an issue, but turns out Burford's also an issue. Jake Brendel is just, he's hes just, okay, he's just that. He okay, and then, and then Aaron Banks without Trent Williams, will the real Aaron Banks please stand up? Because he's not the same Aaron Banks without Trent Williams next to him, okay? So they can have good plans to run the football and all of that, but... but they 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 got dominated up front in that game. DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Hubbard, Hendrickson, all of them, they dominated them up front in this game. They got their behinds kicked up front in this Completely game. Completely out physical. Aaron Banks is getting shoved in that backfield. On third and one on the opening possession, they tried to give it to Juice, and Jake Brendel gets DJ shoved. DJ Reader, DJ right Reader picks him up and throws him back. Yeah. Uh, Brendo tackled Juice on that play. That's why Juice didn't get it. It wasn't a defender. He hit Brendo because he got shoved backwards. Chris- I mean, dude, even the misdirection quarterback sneak that they ran with Juice later, like the misdirection is the only reason he gets that first down because <laughs> they react just a split second late. If they react on time, the there was no push. No, no push at all. Uh, Chris says, one more thought. Shanahan has always ran a gimmick-style offense. When you get down and it becomes a drop-back game, we have always struggled. Maybe that's the quarterback's fault, but we've never been built to drop back and win one-on-ones and march down the field. You're right, Chris. And J.T. O'Sullivan talks about it all the time on his breakdowns. The drop-back passing game is the worst part of this offense. And it's not that big a deal. Like, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but when you're only built to win one way, when you can't get into your drop-back passing game at all, that's a, that's a problem because every game script is not going to go your way every single week, even though it had been for, for a while with the 49ers. And Kyle Shanahan even said it after the game, Vish. He summed it up perfectly. He said essentially like, hey, we're not playing any differently than we were earlier in the year, but we were getting up on teams early in the year and it hid a lot of these mistakes that we're continuing to make now. We got away with stuff during the winning streak that we're not getting away with now. Yeah, I I agree. And I agree with Chris as well. To me, the biggest issue, it's not a quarterback issue. It's the issue of the guy who very arrogantly said, if if I just have a defense and I have a run game, then I can do anything with any quarterback, right? That's that guy. He chose to do that. Okay, then you're going to tell me that, oh, Brock Purdy, if you put him in a situation where, yeah, we got to drop him back 32 times and he's under pressure, like every other drop back, he couldn't get the job done. You didn't. You and I didn't think who Brock Purdy was, who Brock Purdy is. We had very different interpretations of who Brock Purdy is and who Brock Purdy was. This is a game that comes down to that because they're not able to run the football. And they're not able to run the football because, and philosophically, they're not good in this drop-back pass because Shanahan doesn't want to be there. And either mm-hmm. there's a philosophical issue where he's just not understanding that this is a square peg round hole, that your defense can be as good as you want, your run game can be as good as you want. You're just never going to get the job done with this. Or they're falling short in some capacity where even though this philosophy is sound, they're just unable to execute it because the margin for error with it is so low. Because if you end up in a game or you end up in a two-game stretch where your defense doesn't play so well, you're 0-2 in that stretch. And people got on me when I said Shanahan doesn't value the quarterback position enough. This is what I'm talking about. He doesn't realize that you're not always going to have the ground game and the defense and all that stuff. You're going to need straight drop back passing win. And sometimes you're going to need your quarterback to fit the ball into a super tight window. And the Niners, let's face it, have not had a quarterback that can do that consistently since Steve Young. It, since, just Steve Young, since Steve Young, but I do want to mention like Brock Purdy is good, right? Like we're seeing in these kinds of situations, he's making a lot of plays, which means he's good. But the elite guys, the best guys, the top of the league guys, the guys that we say, hey, you can win a Super Bowl with these guys, can do this game after game with a high margin, even higher margin of great plays, great plays, not just good plays, great plays, while limiting their mistakes. That's the Rodgers. That's the Mahomes. And then the Allens who turn it over a little bit more, and that's the Burroughs. That's the Allens who turn it over a little bit more. Also, just give you a higher upside of plays that you've never seen or that only he's capable of doing to bail you out for the fact that he turns it over a little bit more. But Purdy kind of falls into that category where when he's not supported, he can make plays because he's a good player. 
but ultimately it's going to be tough for him to not make mistakes while making those plays. And he just doesn't make enough plays to make you win um, those kinds of games. That's completely on him. I want to follow now. He doesn't, maybe he will do that. I'm going to follow up on that in one second, but Todd says for Niner D was Seattle four, three with a wide nine. Wilkes has coverage too soft and middle field open. Brock would have been better handing off on the first interception, a walk-in touchdown for Mitchell. I agree. I think Mitchell scores on that play, but the, even that, okay, so you don't you don't like it to Mitchell for whatever reason. There's still no reason to throw the ball in that spot. And here's the the other point I want to make, Bish, because you talked about Josh Allen, right, in the recovery. So Brock throws that horrible pick, but the Niners' defense stands up again and forces a four and out. So all in all, you get the ball back, first and 10 at the 20, 13 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You still got a chance to drive down the field and tie the game, even with your bonehead interception. Josh Allen in that spot, a lot of the times goes down the field and gets a touchdown. Brock Purdy could have redeemed himself in that spot. Instead, what does he do? He Garoppolo's. He completely does not see the defender in the middle of the field, and he throws an interception on the first pass again, Vish. And that from that point on, we don't even need to go through the rest of the game because it was over after that. The yeah. Bengals scored on their first play after that because Isaiah Oliver sucks again, bit on a fake screen and gave up a touchdown. That was it. Those that those like three plays right there. That was it. Yeah, I I'm gonna defend Brock Purdy just a little bit on the second pick. Yeah, he Garoppoloed for sure. Like that was Garoppolo as Garoppolo as Garoppolo gets. Um, and Shanahan was was pretty rude to Matt Barrows when he asked about the yes. route distribution of Kittle and Brandon Ayuk talking about the dagger concept, which is an elementary football concept that most people know and understand. It's just basically you have a clear out route and then you have a deep in that follows it that they call the dagger route. Um, The 49ers love running those kinds of concepts to open up middle of the field opportunities. But one, he said the spacing was okay. I've never seen the spacing be that close when the Niners have run it. Okay, the spacing was a little bit weird. And then two, the Bengals are playing quarters. um, And I don't know where he's supposed to go with the ball in that situation because they don't do anything underneath to really influence the mic, which is Logan Wilson in this case. So he just kind of drops straight into his zone drop. Yep. And if you see him, he, he just drops straight into his zone drop and look, Oh, look, the ball the ball's right there. He drops straight into Brandon. Ayuk's route. There's not much else to it. And so like, yeah, Brock Purdy, you can't be aggressive. You can't make a mistake in that situation. But I, I, I also don't know that Shanahan, was necessarily fair in how he talked about it after the game. Cause I, I don't know that that was, I don't know that he exactly had great options on that particular play. And he was a little bit under pressure by the time he released the ball. You can't have a turnover there in that spot. You can't. Uh, that it. I agree with that. I agree with that's the end all you're right. But I agree. Like both people can wear the hat, but wear the blame Purdy can, can be blamed for turning it over. And Kyle can be blamed for not having the greatest call in that situation. Uh, Chris is back. He says at least cousins will be cheaper, right? Ha ha. Don't rule it out. Absolutely. Don't rule it out. Did you, did you see what Seattle just did? No. What did Seattle do? They gave up a second and fifth and got big Leonard Williams. Big move from the jets, the giants from the giants. Excuse me. Yeah. What? You know what? See, Good teams are going for it. Uh, we can get into a little more of the trade stuff, but I saw the current this. NFC West leaders, Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Eric Branch. The Bengals had 14 plays of more than 15 yards before they played the 49ers. Yesterday, they had gains of 33, 22, 22, 21, 20, 20, 20, and 17 yards on Sunday. Why is yeah. it that for the past like three weeks, it's always this team hasn't done X all season, but they've done it four times today against the 49ers. Like what the hell? Dude, it's it's the weirdest phenomenon. We literally went from talking about this team amongst like, holy cow, are they going to go undefeated? Look at how great they are. Best defense, best offense. They're steamrolling everybody. This team is a machine, blah, 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 blah. So they're just not very good. And the Bengals are good. So I don't want to like pretend like they lost to a bad team, but the Bengals just dominated them in that game. They beat them basically in every facet of that game, okay? They yep. dominated them in that game. And, and it's not, it was, it was a little bit closer because Irv Smith fumbled at the one yard line and McPherson missed a kick. And there were other variables that made that game closer, but they got flat out dominated in that game. So there is the trade. Uh, you're seeing it on the screen. Leonard 
Williams come on down to Seattle, who, as you said, now leads the 49ers in the NFC West. Kyle said after the game that Sunday's result does not influence what the 49ers will or won't do at the trade deadline, which I agree with. Like you either are going to make a deal or you're not. You shouldn't change your plans based on one game that no one gets injured in. Um, But look, all of a sudden, the NFC West is not, I don't know that it's the 49ers division to lose right now. Uh, I think it's up for grabs. Yeah. I, I, it's very much up for grabs. Niners schedule isn't exactly favorable to close post by going to Jacksonville off the bye. Do you, you remember last time what happened when the Niners went to Florida off a of bye? And the Jags are off a of bye also, by the way. So you don't even yeah. get that. You don't get that like rest advantage. The Jags have been winning games. What are they? Six and two, I believe. Yeah, right. They're, now? they're a good team. They're a good team. But again, the Niners, if they play their best football, if they get Trent Williams healthy, if they get Debo, we should like them in that game. They got the Jags aren't that good, but the Jags are big. The Jags are big, and the Jags are physical on both lines of scrimmages. So without Trent Williams, oh, the Jags D-line, are, are you kidding me against that offensive line? The next three weeks, are they should be get-right weeks for the 49ers. The bye this week, Jags and Bucks. you got to win both those games. You have to, because in week 12, you have Seattle. Then in week 13, you have Philly. And then in week 14, you have Seattle again. So the Niners have to win both of their next two games. Right. I mean, there's there's a couple of these like games that we should look at as gimmies, right? Buccaneers, I feel like we can look at as gimme. Not anymore, dude. Not with the way this team is played. There are no more gimmies. There are none. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I know Nick Bosa okay. hates Baker Mayfield's guts, but when the Niners are bad, they're bad. They yeah, lost to right. P.J. Right. Walker and the Browns. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Sorry, I'm cranky yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You are right, though. I, I was thinking about it. But it's like, what has this team done in the last – like, am I going to go off of who they were three weeks ago? Because they're not that same team anymore. Right. Are you kidding? I completely agree with they you. They got beat down at home. And there's At two- home. There's too much of that. Well, we're the big bad Niners. We've been in the NFC Championship game three out of the last four years. No, nobody cares about what you did last year. Nobody cares. And, I, you know, Kyle said after the game, he it thinks it's good that this team has got to be a little pissed off for 14 days. Well, guess what? The coaching staff should be pissed off too, okay? Everybody should be mad. Where is the hunger? Where is the urgency? They keep showing up for these games like everyone's just going to bow down to them, and it's just not the case. And they're getting pushed around. I think that's the bigger issue. Like, this team is supposed to be the big physical bully, right? Like, we saw them physically humiliate Dallas on Sunday night football. They've been out physical in three straight football games. Yes. Oh, we said the Browns game. They were missing Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw came back and played the last two games. And they still got pushed around. And he didn't. He looks beaten to all hell. And yeah. he's missed tackle after tackle. Hufunga's missed tackle after tackle. Hufunga's Warner been missed awful. Warner has missed tackle after tackle. So it's it's been like an all-around thing. And right now they've made Steve Wilkes this beautiful martyr, right? Last week they made him the complete conversation. Shanahan took four days to take accountability for yep. it. Made Steve Wilkes take a public apology as if like he committed a crime. He had to come and do that to reporters. And so they did all of that, right? And then this week they'll make Steve Wilkes the topic of conversation I'm sure Schefter or Rappaport or Jay Glazer will have a Sunday morning report about the team on the bye that Steve Wilkes is on the hot seat and they've made it clear to him that the defense needs to get her blah, 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 blah. But guess what? There is 10 things on this team as wrong as Steve Wilkes. There's a lot of things wrong with this team. The quarterback can't stop turning it over at inopportune moments and there's stupid turnovers. Um, they have one offensive player that runs the football effectively at this point because Elijah Mitchell does not in Christian McCaffrey. They have a poor offensive line without Trent Williams. Debo, I mean, I mean, Brandon Ayuk has had a good season. He's had a terrific season, really. But, you know, we talked about it. He's not taken that ascension to be that kind of guy that can carry an offense that needs a guy to carry it. George Kittle is still very good. Um, but he certainly had two drops yesterday that could have helped. Of course, he added his, he got those stats back later in at the end of the game. So don't worry, at least the stats were okay. But he, 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 he could have made those two catches. Definitely one on a third and seven right through his hands. You, you got to make that catch. And then defensively, they're just not very good right now. 
they don't rush the quarterback so well. They get pressure on the quarterback, but they don't like scare teams with their rush. They can't stop a nosebleed in the run game and they don't cover well at all. They, they don't cover well in zone and they're not great in man right now. And even at their best, they weren't a good secondary in terms of coverage. And now when they're not at their best, it's becoming even more glaring. Um, you're right with Kittle. He did have two drops, although one, he later made a catch that got a first down that made up for the drop on the, literally in that same possession. Um, but yeah, the third down play over the middle that you're talking about, Niners really need to respond. And it would have been a tough catch, but Kittle's getting $16 million this year for a reason. You're again, we talk about it with Bosa, right? You're paying your guys to produce at a premium level. George Kittle shouldn't have to have the ball thrown right into his bread basket to make the catch. He's got to make that catch. Travis Kelsey makes that catch. Brock, dude, Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant, Mr. 900K and all of that because if he throws a slightly inaccurate ball, you have the big bag tight end to bail him out. Right, yeah. You and can't- then we sit here and we go, yeah, Brock Purdy, dude, that guy's got to be better. Right. Like, dude, right. no, no. These kinds of situations were not made for Brock Purdy to be successful. And if we're going to sit here and blame Brock Purdy because he's not succeeding in situations, then I said it from the beginning. You and I had very different interpretations of who Brock Purdy is. That's all it is. You nailed it. You can't look at that play and say, the last pick in the draft's got to be better there. No, you look at that play and say, our all-pro tight end who's getting paid like it has to be better there. I Yes, that is a thousand percent right. I completely agree with you there. And I also thought this game showed, Vish, that clearly Kyle can get the ball to Kittle when he wants to. When he wants to, he can get the ball to Kittle. Why he decides that he doesn't want to like 80% of the time still blows my mind. But I mean, Kittle was a monster yesterday. Was he perfect? No. Nine catches for 149 yards. You know how many tight ends in the league that are capable of that? Like four, maybe. And Kittle's one of them. Like Kyle's got, I don't care when Debo's back. Kyle's got to continue to use George Kittle. I agree. I agree. I agree. But but I, I think that he'll once again get lost oh, of a little course bit he will. in the progressions. Because I think I think we did, yeah, we did talk about this exactly last week, right? Because we were previewing the Vikings game. We at the time we were positive, like, oh, George Kittle might have a huge game. I was saying, Oh, hey, like, look, the Vikings stink, blah, 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 blah. This was our conversation last week, right? Like, oh my God, talk about a week or a month that's gone on between then. um but yeah and 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 dude turns out like it it really comes down to the fact that dude on a lot of plays he's simply just like third or fourth in the progression that's just the way it seems to play out that's just the way they seem to read it they they just seem to want to get the ball to Debo want to get the ball to McCaffrey want to get the ball to Kittle and look they really miss Debo too a lot of the issues with his versatility, all the things he does to defenses with all the different spots he lines up, the pressure he creates when he goes into motion and all of those things, they missed that in terms of enhancing the gadgets and the smokes and whistles of their system. For sure, they missed that. But Shanahan talked about it. Yes, Debo can bail him out on a lot of different plays, right? It's third and 15, mm-hmm. you can throw a screen to Debo and he'll get 18 or 20 and he might get you a first down. But that doesn't replace the fact that the 49ers aren't playing good football right now. And sure, Debo can hide a few fall, few flaws, but some of the issues with how they're blocking up front, some of the issues with the quarterback throwing the ball on it, again, the Jermaine Pratt decision, it bewilders me that he decided <laughs> so to throw the football. He, it bewilders me that he decided to throw the football. Like those kinds of things, Debo Samuel isn't a deodorant to fix those kinds of things. Right. He can't fix everything. And... Uh, right now, it seems like they need those that sort of get out of jail free cards. They need to get out of jail free card of Nick Bosa getting 18 and a half sacks last year, like he did when basically nobody else produced from a sack standpoint. They're not getting that right now. Bosa's not getting home, and the rest of the defense can't pick up the Javon slack. Javon Hargrave, big premier free agent signing. Did he record a stat yesterday? Where was he? The guy's been a ghost out there. He, he, you know, he gets all these sacks with Philadelphia. He can't even get one. I know he has a couple this year, but recently I haven't heard his name being called. Where is he? Does, did he get a stat yesterday? No, he didn't get a stat yesterday. No, not no. a stat. Randy Gregory's <laughs> had more influence these past three weeks, I feel like. And he wasn't he even on the team. Good. He looks pretty good. Randy Gregory looks fit. He looks good. Dude, they, they, I don't know what they're going to do though, but I don't know that like it, it's, 
it comes down to the fact that their premier players are not playing like premier players right now. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, it doesn't matter if they make a trade. You have to get premium production from the guys you are paying a premium to. I hate to steal and the line. From that's Jay. a coaching thing. That is coaching 101. Mike Tomlin used to have this quote where he said, good coaches can make C players be, play like B players. Great coaches can make A players play like A players. The Niners have what we think are a lot of A players who are not playing like A players right now. Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes, Kyle Shanahan. Starts with Kyle Shanahan. I forget Steve Wilkes. Kyle Shanahan. Got to score more than 17. You. Have to. And I get that, like, they've turned the ball over and, and like, obviously, like, a fumble. Brock Purdy's fumble is not Kyle Shanahan's fault. But 17 points is 17 points. And right now, the Niners haven't done it. And coaches go through slumps, too, with their play calling. And maybe Kyle's going through a little bit of a slump now. That's entirely possible, too. It's got to get fixed. They've got the bye week to fix it, and we'll see if they can actually do it. And what's here's up? Where I, here's where I do put it a little bit on the play calling, okay? And and it's not specifically the play calling in this game. It's the it's the philosophy, okay? You can sit here and tell me, oh, man, dude, this, like you can be like, Vish, we didn't score because that quarterback, what a stupid decision. First and goal from the eight. The play is busted. Why is he throwing the ball? Blah, 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 blah. That's why they didn't score. Killed him with momentum. Blah, blah, blah. You can put it all on Brock Purdy. But philosophically, this is what you wanted. You wanted an offense where you can control these kinds of variables. You can run the football. That's what you said. You wanted to be able to run the football so that you can get a guy who just executes the way you want it to be executed. That's what Brock Purdy did when you were able to run the football. So when you kept your end of the bargain, Brock Purdy kept his end of the bargain, which is he did exactly as you asked. Now that you're not able to run the football, Brock Purdy is not playing like the Brock Purdy you want him to play like? That's not Brock Purdy's fault. Again, that means we had a different interpretation of who Brock Purdy is. That's a very good point. You know, it's like they hired Brock Purdy to be a cook, and then they were like, hey, can you farm? Why aren't you the chef? Right? Like, it's like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. It's not what you told me you needed out of me. And I, I agree with what you said earlier. When you look at the 49ers right now, yes, Brock Purdy has had problems, and we have criticized him heavily in this show for those problems. But ultimately, you can't look at this team and say the last pick in the draft has got to be better over Kittle dropping passes, Christian McCaffrey not being able to gain yards on the ground, Brandon Ayuk letting a ball hit him in the face, Nick Bosa not getting sacks, Javon Hargrave not getting sacks. You can't look. Brock Purdy is not the first problem on the list of 49ers problems. He's not the first credit, right? Like, we don't come out of a game and say, like, shoot. Like, we do say Purdy played well. We do do that. But we compliment four different guys before we get to Purdy. It's always CMC. It's always Kyle Shanahan. I mean, CMC did fumble in the red zone last week, right? He did fumble in the red zone last week. Twice in three weeks. Right. These aren't just, okay, we can't just sit here and say the guy did a stupid thing in the red zone, but then also be like, from the other side of her mouth, be like, yeah, but you know, he needs all of this help. He needs this support, all that. It's one or the other. If he needs that help and the support, it's not his fault when he's not getting the help and the support. I agree. Just keep the same energy for everybody. I think that's fair. And that CMC thing is a perfect example, right? Fumbled inside the Cowboys 10-yard line. Didn't matter. Niners blew him out anyway. Fumble inside the 10-yard line against Cleveland. Guess what? They lost the game by less than three points. That, that's the difference. They are still making the same mistakes. They just weren't able to overcome it these past three weeks. We'll see if they can. If the Niners do make a big move, of course, we'll go live. We'll react here and everywhere. Make sure you like and subscribe to both YouTube channels, the Gold Standard YouTube channel and Vish Kumaran's YouTube channel. If you just search Vish Kumaran, K-U-M-A-R-A-N, it pops right up. I promise you will be better for it. And make sure you rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network everywhere you get your podcasts as well. Shout out to everybody. I love all the comments in the chat. All our YouTube channel members, I love you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Your support is incredible. Vish, I hope you have a better rest of your week. It's a bye week. Maybe you can cheer up a little bit. Maybe you can just take a deep breath. You've already taken like, I feel like two vacations this year. So I don't know if you can squeeze in a third, but try. I am taking a third. I am taking a third. Yesterday was business, strictly business, strictly uh, business, okay. not, not vacation. Okay. I was, I was in Jersey for exactly a day. Jersey, Jersey, Jersey. coffee at the corner for a quarter. <laughs> 
We got to work on that Jersey accent. Is, is it that bad? Is it that bad? I mean, I don't hear any like New Haven Eastern accent from you. What's going on with that? Like, fix that up. I got a little Chicago thing going on, you know? <laughs> Chicago. Uh, Walt any one on one on Twitch says, keep up the stellar work. Thank you, everybody. Shout out to everybody on Twitch. I love y'all. Even though Levin hates on you. Don't let it stop you, baby. Love well, the Tony is new, right? There used to be only no. one guy that used to comment in from Switch. Sign me two nine. Sign me two nine is there. Walton one oh one is there. There we got a bunch on Twitch. I love oh, a bunch, Twitch. a bunch. But he could only name two of the guys. Why you gotta why you gotta be like that? I'm just following in Levin's footsteps. I think he sets a good example. Haters. Um, you guys have a good show. Brisby um, Life. Yeah, now Frisbee you're quiet. Frisbee, oh, Frisbee Life. Now the guy just is going on random word generator and putting two oh, things what, together and being like, oh. Right there. Oh, I, I heard Frisbee Life. Never mind, Frisbee Life. Rob forgot Thank you. Rob forgot you. Thanks, Rob. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, thanks, everybody. Enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>